being willing to lead today as well. Uh, brother, I hope you thank God every day for your mom and her influence in your life and each of you uh, that have mothers that are still with you. I hope you spend the time not just on Mother's Day. I hope you spend time throughout the year just being grateful to God for the time that you have together. You know, something else I'm also grateful for is a blessing of this church. It's not just you ladies. Uh, I'm thankful for Jim and Tina Miller. Uh, they're, they're some of the quiet saints of the church here this morning, uh, but every time Jim speaks, he has a way of touching my heart. And uh, just something about hearing the word shalom this morning, it means a lot to me, and uh, especially at the table of the Lord, and I, I so appreciate that. Then I see Jason here this morning, uh, and Jason's always an encouragement to me. He's a bear of a guy, and I appreciate his handshake and all of the work that he does with the young people upstairs, usually for, for a children's church. But his wife, Jenny, uh, has not been able to be with him for a great time now, and of course with her RSD and other health concerns that she has that prevents her from being here. Uh, I know some of you are her prayer warriors, as, and I just want to thank you for praying for her. Our fellowship is much larger than the people present because we do have many people that are ill, many people that are struggling, and I know you're praying, and I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Uh, keep on praying because God's good, and you'll see a great result from those prayers. Well, this morning I want to share with you, uh, Edward Michael Grills may not be a household name, but any outdoorsman fan or, or fan of reality TV will know him better as Bear Grylls. Uh, Bear Grylls is a former SAS serviceman. He's a survival instructor, honorary lieutenant colonel, and outside of his military career, he's an adventurer and a host of a number of wilderness uh, survival shows like Born Survivor, Man vs. Wild, uh, Worst Case Scenario, uh, Get Out Alive, Survivor Games, and Running Wild with Bear Grylls where he takes uh, actors and actresses from Hollywood and famous people for two-day survival trips into the woods. People like Zac Efron and Channing Tatum and Drew Brees. Uh, even one of the Jonas Brothers was taken out into the woods with him. But he's got a new series uh, on Netflix and on the Discovery Channel. It's an interactive series called You vs. Wild. And during the show, you are asked to make key decisions to help Bear Grylls survive, thrive, and complete missions in some of the harshest environments on the earth. For instance, the series began with a doctor on a mission to deliver malaria vaccines to children, and, and, and the doctor is missing deep in the jungle. And it's up to you to make decisions to help Bear find her. And then, after that, he needs to travel 27 miles into the thick Central American jungle to deliver medicine to a remote village, too. But he can't accomplish those goals without you. Another show for you dog lovers, you can help Bear face obstacles like crevasses and deep snow and avalanches in order to locate a lost St. Bernard rescue dog that's in the Swiss Alps and, and bring him home. Or for those of you that are more daring, you can help the 45-year-old Bear Grylls file for affordable health care now that the 2019 open enrollment period is closed. He has survived scorching deserts, venomous snakes, uh, and, and even worse, but can he survive finding a physician that is covered by his HMO? That, 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 I added that one. But as heart-pumping as Bear Grylls' excursions into the wilderness are, you know, don't you, they pale in comparison with the adventure 
that a human heart undertakes in the hands of its creator God. I like what author Jennifer Lane said in her book, Faith Adventures, Stories of Learning with an Unseen God. She said this, we don't have to be afraid of stepping out. We don't have to be afraid of failing. We only have to be afraid of not trusting God. Our God isn't shallow. I love that statement. Our God doesn't call us to shallow, and he knows that sometimes with a phone call, a RAND stoplight, a routine blood test, or a sonogram, we can be thrown into the deep end. And he's there in the deep end with us. When we lack faith, God is not surprised by it. When we lack faith, she said, God can supply it. And when we receive the faith that he gives us, God is honored by it. I was reading this past week in, in the scriptures of the number of occasions that God took men and women into the wilderness himself. And the character shaping, let me tell you, the faith shaping that is done there and the deep soul searching, it led me to want to do this series of messages. And I would be remiss to say if it didn't feel like me versus the wild at times. And in this sermon series, it is a work in progress. Because my life, as well as Cheryl and Liv's, is undergoing a, a lot of changes these days, overseen by a loving God. And as we face these challenges, we believe that life is meant to be truly a discovery that's led by God himself. And believe me, it is intensely interactive. If you missed our, our last series on expectations that we have of God in prayer, I, I, I hope you go back and you listen to those on the church's website. God provides both the, the longing and the desire for us to go to him in this ongoing conversation because life is intense. And much like Bear Grylls' show, on this interactive journey, your decisions and mine can lead not only to our survival, but to thriving and completing the mission for which our God has created us. Now our key passage for this entire adventure is going to come from the pen of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. And I want you to read this out loud with me if you would. This is 2 Corinthians 13, verses 5 and 6. Let's read this together. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. And I want to begin today by talking about that test, that wilderness experience of a, of a couple who had a son that was born for the wilderness. And his name was John the Baptist. But before we can ever get to John's life, we've got to go back and meet these two in Luke chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. I want to introduce you to his dad and mom. Often you'll hear this around Christmas time, but it's very appropriate, I think, for this series as well. Luke 1 verses 5 through 7, Luke introduces them to us this way. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now here's what I want you to catch 
this morning about these two saints of old on this interactive journey with their Creator God. I want you to see what they did because they had two distinct choices to make. And both of these choices, the outcome of which would cause ripples for thousands of years to come. And each of them came with a promise as well. And the first one is this there on your outline. Choosing faithfulness today opens great possibilities tomorrow. Choosing faithfulness today. How do we see that played out in the lives of these two senior citizens? It's very simple. As you look at their heritage and you look at their decisions to one, remain active, and two, to remain faithful to the Lord day in and day out. Zechariah and Elizabeth had spent their life long together in the service of God. They're attached to one another. They are held in esteem by all their fellow Jews and Israelites. Now, now I have been to some of your homes, and I know that many of you, you're just like me. You've got pictures all over the place. If you ever go to the Markham's house, there's barely a wall as you go down the main hall of their home that's not covered with, with pictures. And I've got pictures at home too, and I, I have to confess, some of my favorites are on display. I've got a picture of my three beauties at home, uh, captured on a trip to Chicago. Cheryl's parents uh, are displayed on our piano at home. Uh, my father-in-law, Maury, which is kind of like a best friend to me as well, he's, in one picture he's holding this big largemouth bass that he's caught uh, because he loves to fish. On another, he's just kind of walking through uh, uh, the woods with the shadows falling upon him. And I've got both girls' school pictures on my fireplace mantle at home, both in desperate need of updating at this time. But I've got this picture even here at church as well of me and my blushing bride 30 years ago. I think of all the experiences I've had and that we've had together as parents, and yet for Zechariah and for Elizabeth, their fireplace mantle, it has no collection of childhood memories at the zoo or the park or, or Roger at King's Island or the holidays together because they don't not only have grandchildren, they have no children. It's just been the two of them together, true to each other and true to God. And maybe to you their world seems small, and maybe to you your world seems a little small, and maybe it seems like it's getting smaller every day. But friends, let me assure you of this from their lives. No canvas is so small that it cannot display a masterpiece priceless to God. Some of you, like me, you had a mom that brought you to church most of the time by herself. My dad, for a great part of his life, he didn't know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He had no use at all for the church. He worked at a service station for Marathon, and that was his life. So mom took me by herself. But John the Baptist's parents, both of them, did you see in verse 6, both of them, were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Friends, that is a masterpiece, priceless, on a very small canvas. Luke, as he wrote his gospel, had a multitude of resources, had a multitude of in-the-flesh testimonies to draw from to prepare his letter, his account of Jesus' life. And yet as he reviewed everything, as he investigated everything thoroughly from the beginning, he was led by the Holy Spirit to say, I've got to put this in. 
I mean, this has got to make it in. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful bond to be shared. A couple justified and beautified, not just by mutual affection, but made perfectly happy by common affinities and a common goal, elevating, consecrated by their love of God and of serving Him. The bond of an immutable attachment to the Father. And their small frame, their small life was anything but insignificant. And friends, I just want to say to you this morning, if you have the grace of having gray hair, compared to me, if you have the grace of having any hair at all, friends, if you're older, you need to know your life matters immensely to God. And you might think, Nobody cares for me. In fact, Bill, nobody even talks to me outside of the church on Sunday morning. Friends, that's a shame for all of God's community. But that does not release you from allowing God to work through your faithfulness to take the small canvas of your life to create a masterpiece. The writer Robbie McCullough was right in saying of aging that somewhere inside we all long to chase butterflies, to romp through flower beds, and to sing to the stars. But the greatest dance, the greatest chase and song, it's not a physical one. As as Cheryl's cousin, a young 22-year-old girl that was confined all her life to a wheelchair and went to be with the Lord a week ago, as she has learned now being whole in the presence of God, life here as well as there, is all about a dance that that is led by God. It's a song of trust. It's a chase after his heart. In fact, let me share the wisdom with you of two beautiful Christian women. Corrie Ten Boom is one of my favorite authors. She survived the Ravensbrück concentration camp during World War II, and she said this, as a testimony to her life, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of the martyred missionary Jim Elliot, said this about grandparents, and it's really true of all of us. She said a grandmother's special calling is to pray and to be a fellow worker in the battle in which her children and grandchildren are daily engaged. We sing the song, but the reality is learned faith is the victory, friends. And choosing faithfulness today, even in the small things, it creates the opportunity for some incredible possibilities tomorrow. A life that is right with God, friends. It obliterates time differences. It annihilates distance. And it brings future things at once into our possession. The greatest thing that a life that is right with God will ever do for you or me, friends, it's said in Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. Righteousness. Choosing to live for God, it attracts his favor. God's eyes were on Zechariah and Elizabeth. Their lives were righteous. Their work, the same. Now look back in Luke 1 verse 8. It gives you more of his life. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was working as a, serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, as was the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. 
which symbolized the prayers of the people going up before God. And when the time of burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. Friends, anyone who comes sincerely before God will never remain the same. I don't think we value every day the way God values every day in our life, but God treats us with an amazing favor. God's strength is behind you. God's concern is with you. His love is within you. His arms are beneath you. And all of that is more sufficient than the struggle and the weight that often lies ahead of you. And yet sometimes in this world, it it feels like you versus the wild because of the weight. It feels like you versus the wild because of the cycle and the routine of work and home day in and day out. And sometimes it seems like it's you versus the wild because, honestly, you choose a life that's not by God's design. You choose a life of your own creation. And maybe you're like the prodigal son of Luke 15, 13. When Luke tells us that not long after that, the younger son, he got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. It's not just a wild environment. It's a wild life. And sometimes we're deceived into forgetting God, and we believe we can handle our decisions. We can handle life on our own. And then other times, if we're honest to ourselves and honest to God, we know that we have wandered far from God. And any time a preacher like me says something like righteousness attracts God's favor, Satan will try to convince you Your conscience will often try to convince you. Well, we know where that leaves you because you are anything but righteous. God doesn't find you attractive at all. In fact, God finds you repulsive. So why even try? Let me say to you this morning, there is a reason that the devil, there is a reason that the sinful conscience repeats things like that. And that's precisely because it's, it knows the power of God. Paul said in Romans 1.20, since the creation of the world, it's God's invisible qualities. His eternal what? Power. His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And friends, to walk in the shadow of a conscious estrangement from God To miss the sunshine of of his presence, of his heavenly favor, is to darken our lives with a continual curse. A soul that remains hungry. A soul that, that grieves and we bereave ourselves of the purest joy that comes in the one who said, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And and so it must be our choice. It must be our duty and it should be our desire and aspiration to walk in God's right paths.
It was the fisherman from Capernaum turned evangelist by the name of Peter who said this. You've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. They're surprised when you don't join them in their reckless and wild living and they heap abuse on you. But they'll have to give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Righteousness attracts God's favor, and it's, it's a choice. It's a choice to be faithful today and to have those possibilities open tomorrow, even though very old according to Scripture. Did you, did you catch what occupied Zechariah's mind as he was burning incense in the temple? Even though startled by the appearance of the angel and gripped with fear, the angel's message was, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you'll call him John. He was still praying, still holding on to the hope that God is a God who hears and answers prayer. And the first decision of this older couple has allowed them to grab on with a secure handhold in faith. Today, tomorrow, and in days to come. Friends, can you wake with the desire on your heart and on your lips. Lord, help me to, to choose a life of faithfulness to you today. It may be an ordinary day with ordinary people and ordinary routines, but don't let me forget every decision is a spiritual decision. Don't let me forget the future payout. A wise believer once shared, we are not saved from mediocrity and obscurity from the ordinary and the mundane, we are saved in the midst of it. We are redeemed from the mundane. We are redeemed from the slavery of thinking our mundane life is not enough. Look into the extraordinary in the ordinary. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they chose well. But they had a second decision to make as well. And it too came with a promise. And that is a decision to honor God's design for your life and see it resulting in a spirited and a powerful life. You know, the angel shared some very special instructions regarding John the Baptist. It says in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he's never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before He's born. That's a spirited life. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he'll go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient heart uh, to, to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now later on in his account in Luke, we're told the angel's name is Gabriel. And his message to, to Zechariah and Elizabeth comes true. John is born. And even as he is born, his life is empowered with the Holy Spirit. But Zechariah and Elizabeth's work is still not complete. Because this small, spirited life 
is to be a powerful life. And for it to reach that point, it needed guidance, it needed protection in the way God designed him to be raised. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a certain group of people known as, as Nazarites, people who wanted to make a special vow, a special commitment to the Lord. They wanted a special relationship with and for God. And, and in number six, one of the things that we're told is that they were to avoid and stay away from any wine or fermented drinks. That leads a lot of people to say, well, maybe John the Baptist was a Nazarite, a special life, surely dedicated to God. And that may be. But friends, for those of us who call Jesus our Savior and Lord, are we not called equally to be uniquely set apart? The same Holy Spirit that was given to John the Baptist even before he was born as believers is our spirit. Romans 5.5 assures us that God's love, it has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. And we can frustrate, we can water down, we can limit the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives because of our choices. We're even warned in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We have to be careful. Edwin Cooper is, it was a famous actor across America, yet almost nobody really knew his real name. He came from a family of circus clowns. And Cooper began performing when audience, uh, before audience was he was just nine years old. And after a brief stint with the Barnum and Bailey Circus, he became a fixture on television back in the 1950s. In fact, how many of you grew up watching Bozo the Clown? Yeah? All right. I remember watching that ping pong game with the buckets. You remember that? Trying to win prizes. But in addition to entertaining uh, the young and the old, he always had a message for his buddies and his partners every week. Get checked for cancer. But Cooper was so busy making his show, spending time with children, that he neglected to follow his own advice. By the time his cancer was discovered, it was too late to be treated. And Edward, Edwin Cooper died at 41 years of age from a disease that he'd warned thousands of others to watch out for. His life is, is kind of a living parable because sin is more deadly and more aggressive and fast-growing than any cancer. It kills and it destroys everything that it touches. From the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden until now, sin takes no prisoners. And this is the purpose behind everything that Satan does. Jesus said the thief, he only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And because of his evil nature, because of his hatred of everything good, evil brings destruction to everything it touches. We've seen that in our world just in the past week. But friends, we need to know, and we need to be aware, that the goals of evil are believers with empty testimonies and ineffective faith. There are so many believers today, I think, that do not threaten the work of Satan, that do not threaten his evil plans or kingdom because their faith is ineffective, because their testimonies have been emptied of the power that God intends. And friends, mark my words, Christ died for sin. As believers, we die to sin, but unbelievers die in 
their sin. And those who choose to see in this world how close they can walk to the cliff's edge, they will never fulfill the great commission to reach others for Christ. For John the Baptist's words to carry weight, he would grow up without touching a drop of alcohol. Now my sermon today is not about drinking. I've got plenty of reasons from the Old Testament and New, plenty of reasons in my own family, plenty of reasons within my own experience working in radiology at Central Baptist Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky near the emergency room, plenty of reasons in my ministry. Friends, I got plenty of reasons just from grand jury these past many Mondays in Springfield to show you how useless drinking is and how dangerous it can be. But Krispy Kreme, sorry to say, caffeine, pornography, a dozen of other things can be just as addictive and ruin your testimony. Bob Jones is a name that might sound familiar to some of you, but but not many of you here will even recognize who he was. At his time, Bob Jones Sr. thought he, he was the hope for his generation in America. And back in 1947, he had a, a citywide campaign in Saginaw, Michigan, and he preached a fabulous sermon there that day. But at the end of his life, he was so despondent and addicted to alcohol that the great ministry he had at one time had vanished. Why did he not stay faithful? There's a book that's called Fire for Many Altars, and it accounted for 16 preachers, 16 of God's men who spoke at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, back in 1976. Today, one of them has gotten off track, fighting the government, wound up losing all of his property and his assets because he would not pay his taxes. One of them had committed suicide after having severely damaged his public testimony. Two of them suffered moral failures with affairs. One stopped teaching creation in in his church and in the school attached to it because he wanted his fellow teachers to be able to go to the public schools. Out of the 16, only two of them remain faithful to Christ this day. So why did these once great and godly believers not continue in their faith. I think one of the keys was caught by a man named Demas in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote about him to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4.10, he said, because Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Friends, where's your heart? Where's your love? Is it secure in the hands of a Lord and Savior? See, the Bible defines what the world is for us time and again. In fact, 1 John 2.16 describes it this way, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. Someone well once said that the lust of the flesh, it's a consuming desire to do. The lust of the eyes is a consuming desire to have. And the pride of life is a consuming desire to be. And think of how much in our life is spent trying to to do, to have, to be, until we miss the mark. I have seen adult after adult, grandparent after grandparent, in, in my office or on the phone come to me with the frustration and with anxious tears because they're watching their children or grandchildren go down the path of lifestyles and activities that promise nothing but heartache 
and destruction. And unless we in this room watch and guard our faith carefully, then Deuteronomy 28.32 will continue to be fulfilled. You see, the curse that's mentioned there says this, your sons and daughters will be given to another nation and you'll wear your eyes out watching for them day after day, powerless to lift a hand. Can you say by your life and by your daily choices, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Friends, this world needs more Christians This church needs to be engaged in praying for and working for more Christians. But before we see the adventures of being led through the wilderness, we have to choose. As Joshua said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One last thing. And you could see this in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth. To know God, friends, is to be seized with a purpose and a passion. Their lives were righteous, but they were not sinless. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but they chose to be faithful day in and day out. And God opened the great possibility of a son that would be born to them. Beyond a season of questions and doubts, they remained faithful. Even Zechariah would question the angel in Luke 1.18, and he would ask him, saying, how can I be sure of all this? I'm an old man, and my wife, well, she's well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you about this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because... You did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Not perfect, but powerless. And now speechless until nine months later. I want you to look again with me now, if you would, in Luke chapter 1. I want to start in verse 57. We're going to wrap things up this morning. Luke 1, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after their father, Zechariah, Zach Jr. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. And they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. And all of his neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. And everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Immediately, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he sings a song, a prophecy. And at the very end of that, we find at the end of chapter 1, this child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Real men, real women of God know what it is to experience the wilderness.
Today we end with, with John the Baptist in the wilderness. And maybe you're there today. It, it's you versus wild. Some of you, you're there, and in that wilderness you have never felt so alone. Maybe you've never felt so old. But God has come in the nick of time. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. For some of you, as you think about work this week, as you think about the next few months of your life, the path is obstructed. Some of you, you can't even see past today, and yet you pray. Day in and day out, even when the feeling of emptiness threatens your gut, even when you feel unloved or unlovely. But friends, the good news of the gospel is salvation has come. Maybe you're praying a prayer in your life right now like King Asa did back in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 14 as he said, Lord, there is no one like you to help us, the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely upon you and in your name we've come against this vast army. Lord, you're our God. Don't let mere mortals prevail against you. Friends, for those who pray, Prayers like that, God comes to those who take the time to hear Him. And maybe your fears have been shouting louder lately. Maybe for you, maybe for a loved one. Maybe you want to follow God, but you review your life and you wonder, how can God ever forgive me? I, I can't even forgive myself. Mercy, that'd be nice. Tenderness, what does that look like? I haven't seen tenderness expressed in my life for years. Harsh, abrasiveness, pain, those are feelings I know all too well. Harshest environments on earth. Bill, they're not out there in the Himalayas or in the deepest jungles or on the deserts. The harshest environments on the earth is right here inside of me. Friends, if you could say that, you understand as well, or you need to, that God knows. And he alone can transform the landscape of your heart into a place of worship. The Bible says he makes streams in the desert. In fact, this week, uh, I came across a Pinterest that I think maybe some of you need to see this morning. It says this, sometimes where you're in a dark place, you think you've been buried, but you've actually been planted it all begins with humbling yourself before him it means bowing your heart it means bowing your knees and saying god you're right i'm not righteous i i, I am a sinner and my sin demands a verdict it calls for nothing short of a death penalty but god you love me so much you <laughs> the perfect, sinless, just, righteous one, perfect in purity. You claimed my death penalty as your own. and You allowed your son to die in my place. And I believe, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. You are my savior. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you, you, you rose again. And with you alone, is my forgiveness and my life. And, and so you pray. Lord, would you forgive me now? Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior. I give you my life. 
just as it is. And then, Lord, because you did it, because you commanded of me, I will be baptized for the forgiveness of my sins and for the gift of your Holy Spirit to live in me as it did in this man of the wilderness, John the Baptist, as it did in the life of his dad, Zechariah. And friends, if you're scared this morning in making any decision for the Lord, you need to know it's time to power up. Because the scripture says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that the spirit God gives us, it does not make us timid, but it gives us power, it gives us love, and self-discipline. I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning. And I want to pray together as the, the time prepares for us to, to sing our decision song. And friends, if you've got a need in your heart today, it's time to come out of the wilderness. It's time to step in the wilderness for some of you and say, God, I, I'm going to be here for a while. And if I'm going to be here for a while, I need to know that your hand is upon me and with me, guiding me. Whatever your need, though, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for faithful lives. For examples of simple people whose palette may have been small, but on that small palette they painted a masterpiece for you because they chose to be faithful. Lord, there are, there are really palettes of every size in this room. Some are huge. Some have lives that look like the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Some have wallet-sized pictures. But whatever, you call us to be faithful. And Lord, it's not easy. We confess to you. It's hard so many times. And in fact, it's impossible apart from you. So Lord, I ask as we go through this series of us versus wild, of you versus wild. Lord, you teach us to be strong. You teach us to lean into you and your protection and your strength and your wisdom. Father, for the person this morning that needs to respond to the life that you offer, this is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Father, give that person the boldness and the courage not to just stay on some lonely outcrop for another week. Help them to take shelter in you. And let their life truly begin today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.